Uh, we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining with us. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, on this last week of Advent, uh, we are just days away from Christmas. We are glad to have you uh, join with us. Uh, Donna gave you a few of the uh, announcements. I just want to reiterate that. Uh, Christmas Eve, Friday night, uh, there are f- uh, five opportunities for you to worship with us. Four o'clock is in the fellowship hall. That's a family service, but uh, I'll warn you, that is aimed at kids, okay? Uh, we we don't want to use the kids as props. We want to speak to their hearts. So um, four o'clock, it's going to be a fun service. I'm looking forward to it. It's something different than we've done before. It could go horribly wrong or it could be awesome. So four o'clock in the fellowship hall. Five o'clock here in the sanctuary, 6.30 here in the sanctuary, eight o'clock over at Mount Wesley, and 11 o'clock here. Uh, We hope you'll join us for that. And then that following Sunday, uh, we will only have one service. It's not because we don't believe God needs to be worshipped or anything. It's because none of you are going to come anyway because you're opening your Christmas presents and... Our music team has done yeoman's work this uh, season. Can you help me uh, thank them? And uh, we're going to give them a day off. We're going to have, uh, 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 we're going to sing some carols and have a message about um, a thank you list for that. And so looking forward to that. So after, uh, after uh, New Year's, uh, there'll be two services, 9.30 and 10.30, both in here. Same sort of pattern. Uh, so we're, we're glad to see you come out tonight. Mount Wesley, it'll be fun. I've been working on my rendition of uh, I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. It's, it, you're it's gonna, you're going to love it. So um, I want, see, it's going to be good. There you go. Hey, uh, Monica O'Donnell is, uh, you, you get to see her when she comes up here and stuff. She has been uh, working on her seminary degree, a master's in theology. Uh, she's been working on that over uh, the last couple years. And uh, yesterday she had a, a special moment. Let's look at that. Now continue the Perkins School of Theology. Christopher Douglas Gelwick. Monica O'Donnell. <laughs> Ngoshi Lucarate. Ruben Alaveras Garcia. That concludes the Perkins School of Theology graduates. All right, so... Perkins School of Theology, SMU, she uh, accomplished that. I think anyone that gets a degree as an adult, when you got kids and family and working and everything, I'm impressed with that. Uh, she, she did great on that. She has graduated. She's working towards ordination. She'll be, um, on that journey in the, in the months to come ahead. Uh, but if you get a chance, uh, just congratulate her and let's just give her a hand for, um, For that, so uh, um, think back. Remember uh, when we were watching the candlelight and video, and Gary couldn't light the match, and he just kept trying. When and 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 over over in our other service today, uh, Spencer, who's our worship leader, uh, is home throwing up, which I found out 45 minutes before the service. So uh, we punted on music over there, and uh, I led carols. 
Uh, that was great. Um, this uh, we, Our education building is already closed because of a flood, and we had to close that. And then this week on uh, Tuesday, uh, there was another, uh, on Wednesday, there was another major water leak in this building that we thought we were going to have to close down the whole campus because it was flooding. Luckily, our facilities team got that together uh, on Friday night at 3 o'clock, right before my wedding rehearsal and wedding that I was doing. Uh, but... Um, and, 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 uh, I mean, I can go on. We got a puppy this week. I haven't slept for three days now. <laughs> um, last night when we're sitting around TV, uh, one of the workers in our neighborhood, there's a lot of construction in our neighborhood going on. And we heard this loud <laughs> and went out and my mailbox is gone and a tree is gone. And I mean, it's just like one thing after another. And, and I don't know about you, but when those kind of things start to happen, do you, do you ever like, what the heck? <laughs> and, and I think it gets accentuated around Christmas time because so many of us have so many detailed plans of what we want to have happen in the next few days. And when something doesn't go the way we want to, it just it, it exasperates us, right? And, and, and I think little things like not lighting the matches, I think they're an awesome reminder for us that what we're celebrating here isn't the perfect party. It's not, it's, as, as awesome as our choir and music team has done, it's not about awesome music. It, 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 it's not about an awesome message. It is about a, a loving God who was willing to do anything and everything to make sure how we understood the depths of His love. A, a world that has never, never completely grasped it never never felt at home with it that that has taken religion and and the little that he had revealed himself and taken that and perverted it into their own understanding their own rules putting our own definition of love on an eternal god which is never good and therefore throughout the ages the relationship and the understanding of god has been skewed over and over again, as Jesus came to the world the first time, He did so to an audience that was sure they knew what God wanted and didn't want and who He loved and who He didn't love and what you had to do to have Him love you and what you didn't have to do to have Him not mad at you. And to that place, He over and over said, No, no, no. My Father is much more loving than you can imagine. And even 2,000 years on the other side of that event, the world is still stuck in this idea of God loves those who deserve it. It's good people who go to heaven. It's, 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 it's the ones who have earned it that will go to heaven. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have over and over and over where people will say something to me like, I hope I get to go to heaven. I... We, we have not done, we have, we still don't understand what love and grace is, not by human definition, but by God's definition. By human definition, we, we have this perverted sense of what love is. Number one, we think it's an emotion. And, and that, you know, it, it, it's when you stand all googly eyed and look at each other. It's, it's when you, it's when you have a song playing in the background and you get to hold hands looking at the sunset. I've done a couple of weddings this week and I always get like saccharine sick from weddings. I, I know. 
Because, I mean, it's young love. Oh. And you may want to consider if you want to do marriage counseling with me. What I try to do <laughs> in leading up to that is say, okay, I know you love her and everything, and I know she's beautiful, and but 10 years from now, you're going to hate that person. And the very things you love now, forget that. You're going to be mad about the way they breathe. And how they chew. And those little things. And, and, and for our world, if you were going to take a picture of what love will look like, we'd have the couple gazing into one another's eyes. But see, there's no cost to that kind of love. That's an emotional kind of love where both people are getting what they want. A better picture of love is a couple who has hung in there for 45 years and can sit across the table and look at each other through the hatred, (laughs) and say, I'm here because I chose to be here. That's what love is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I, I, I I want to just talk through some of the Christmas story. I want to talk about some of our misunderstandings. I want to talk about what grace is and the fact that we don't deserve the love of God. You never will deserve the love of God. And for somebody here, this might change your whole understanding of what church and religion is. If, you, if, if you've tried it before, if your parents have dragged you to church, if, if you do it out of a sense of responsibility, there is so much more to a relationship with God than that. Certainly, that there is an expectation of the longer we are with a perfect loving God that we are going to become perfect lovers. But until then, and on the journey, we are far from it. And God loves you no matter who you are. You don't earn it. You can't earn it. And no one in this room, no one who has ever lived other than Jesus Christ, actually deserved the love of God. It's always been a choice He made on our behalf. It's always been a choice He's made. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to start in the book of Micah, a prophecy, uh, one you've heard before. Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. Micah, one of the prophets, any of the prophets, when you read them in the Old Testament, what they're saying over and over again is, uh, hey, um, uh, you all need to listen to God. You're not, you're not loving me the way I want you to love. You're not, you're not hearing me. You're ignoring, you're ignoring who, the little details in your life. Yeah, you're coming to worship and you wear your hats and you do your things and you light your candles and you sing your songs, but that's not what I want. I actually want you to love one another. I want you to pay attention to widows and orphans. I want, I want you, I want, I want you to show in the smallest detail of life that you care about other people. And of course, they never heard it. Just like even on the other side of Jesus, 2,000 years, we still don't fully get that. But here we are. Uh, uh, Micah chapter 1. Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will strike Israel's leader in the face with a rod. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. 
Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world and he will be the source of peace. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Yes, things are going wrong. Yes, the government is not going the way you want. Yes, you're living in dispersion. Yes, your, your, your life is not going the way it is. And it's going to continue for a time. I, it, it's going to continue because of choices you've made and, and, and because you keep turning from me. But there is one who's going to come. And he's going to come from Bethlehem. And when that one comes, it will come from a woman in labor. And until the labor is over, your suffering and distance will still be there. But once she goes into labor, one will emerge that will lead my people that will be able to stand and, and honor and will bring peace, a peace between God and man. And it's going to happen in Bethlehem. And, and here's the deal. We've so romanticized the story and, and we don't really understand the, the context of that, that, that we miss part of the shock of the idea that Jesus, that the ruler, that the Messiah, that the anointed one was going to come from Bethlehem. I know we got a carol about it. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Right, we 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 know we got the scene in our minds. We get the manger scene in our minds and stuff. But what you don't understand is this is one of the little details in the Christmas story that goes along with a whole lot of the other details in the Christmas story and Easter story and the whole salvation story of the Bible, which is God does big things through little unexpected places and circumstances. You know, the way we understand love, we want the big gesture. The big gesture, right? Let's take our kids to Disneyland. That'll show them I love them. Right? Let's get what they want for Christmas. That'll show them I love them. Let's let them do anything that, that'll show them for a wife and, and husband. Let's, let's take the anniversary trip. And, and, and those are fine. That's great. But if in the everyday moments of life you don't show love, your family's not going to walk away from a Disney trip thinking you love them. Because that big gesture means nothing without the undercurrent of the little things supporting it. And God begins a story of salvation in the little, in the little thing. There's, there's discussion. Most, most people would agree Bethlehem had as little as 300 people, maybe up to a thousand people. Regardless, it was a little town. It didn't even have a Dairy Queen. As you drove through, it wasn't a destination city. It wasn't a place that you planned to go. Mary and Joseph hadn't planned their postnatal vacation in Bethlehem. They were only there because a corrupt government wanted to raise taxes and they needed to get a head count in order to be able to scour more money off of the common folk. But Bethlehem, little Bethlehem, out of that little city, which no one would suspect, we, we, we'll feign, like, why didn't people show up at the birth of Christ? Because who in the heck would underthink that anything would happen in Bethlehem? I mean, 
We don't go visit cities like that. And I know it was in the Scripture, and yeah, they said it, but there's a lot in the Scripture we don't pay attention to either, isn't there? Who would have thought out of Bethlehem? And again, I said, it's not just Bethlehem, it's a series of things. Who would have thought Mary? As I said, we got a, we got a puppy. Puppy's a lot of work, Right? But I've seen some new dads in the last week, and a baby's worse. Right? But I wouldn't even trust my puppy to a teenager, let alone a baby. But Mary, and we miss that. Mary, in that context, a female unwed mother, she deserved death by stoning if you go by the letter of the Mosaic law. As a woman, she already was a second-class citizen because women were only valued for as breeders and property. And so uh, an unlikely host for the king of kings born in Bethlehem. It goes on and on and on. Who's the first to find out about the message? It's shepherds, the outcasts of society that aren't welcome even in the little town of Bethlehem who are out in their fields and they're the first to hear. You go through the story, King Herod wants to kill all the babies. Joseph is told in a dream to exile to Egypt. Who wants to go back to Egypt if you know anything about the Bible? God did a whole lot to get the people out of Egypt. And now He sends the Son of God back to Egypt. And after it's safe, He calls Joseph again in a dream. And and the quote is, And my son will come out of Egypt and will be known as a Nazarene. Jesus the Nazarene. We even have songs about that. But do you know Nazareth doesn't exist on a map? Nobody knows where it is historically. It's a no-name town. We get a hint at it when Jesus is calling His disciples and Philip uh, finds, meets the Messiah, goes and gets Nathaniel and says, come on, man, I, 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 met the, I met the Savior of the world. I met the Messiah. You need to come meet Him. Who is it? Well, it's this guy from Nazareth. And Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And see, once you start reading your Bible with eyes on this, it's not just the Christmas story, it's the entire story of the Bible. God works in little places, in little details, in unexpected ways. That's why when the candle won't light and the water pipes are burst and my mailbox is obliterated and the puppy is crying at night and the Christmas plans go down and, and the heater won't work on Christmas Eve or the whatever happens. It's okay because somewhere in the midst of what I'm concentrating in, God's doing something beneath the surface that's for my good. But you owe Bethlehem. See, part of why we don't understand the love of God is because we don't think little, we think big. We think God's good, and so a relationship with Him ought to make my life better. And because of our upbringing, because of the way our mind works, better always is connected in our mind to bigger. Right? Can't be better if it's not bigger. But that's not the way God works. 
It's actually not the way it works in anything. We, we do that in church, right? Oh, it, our church would be better if it's bigger. Well, not necessarily. If the church is unhealthy and you just make it bigger, now we're just a big unhealthy church. Better and bigger don't go together. Bigger is a size. Better is a quality. And God can make your life better but it may emerge in the little, in the small thing. That too often we are so busy and so preoccupied that we miss. That we miss. Let's go to uh, Hebrews. So for a world who for years and years for centuries and centuries, has missed what God has been doing, has missed the kind of love that God has, that has perverted our understanding of it, that has tried to form God's love in our own image that says you have to earn it, you only give it to people who deserve it, you don't just throw it around freely. Who does that? Love love it goes to those people that deserve it, and if you don't deserve it, I'm not going to love you. That's the way we love, but that's not the way God loves. And religion has built itself out of the understanding of earning it and 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 deserving it and it gets highlighted at the christmas season it's easier for me to talk about because you can relate you all know this carol join in with me you better not cry you better not pout. you better well you better not cry i'm telling you why santa claus is coming to town he's making a list and checking it twice he's gonna find out who's naughty and nice Right? Okay, good, good. That's the most crowd participation we've ever had in this church. <laughs> Amen. Woo! Alright, I got it. Right? He's checking the list, gonna find out who's naughty and nice. And we, 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 we mistakenly, we don't just do this with Christmas, we do this in church about who God is. We, 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 those of you that do Elf on the Shelf, right? We got a secret spy in the house. You're not good. You ain't getting no Christmas presents. Right? We do it in church. Hey, kids, come up. We're going to talk about Jesus. How do we make God happy? Be good. Yes, now go back. That's a lie. Because if we had to be good for God to love us, none of us would be loved. Because none of us deserve it. This is the beauty of the Christmas story, folks. The idea that a God for a world that continually turned their back on Him, who had never listened to Him, who was so far away from deserving it, that He was willing to condescend to us. That's the old theological term. Not in the way we think of like talking down to somebody, but getting on our level. Coming down to our level. Not in a way to point a finger, but as a way to lift us up. That He was willing to do that has baffled people for years and we're still battling to understand it. The best word for it is grace. An undeserved gift poured out for anyone who would accept it. But our religious minds still want to play the game, but yeah, but you got to deserve it. 
Yeah, but you gotta do the secret prayer. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta give so much. Oh, you gotta attend church. Oh, you gotta, you gotta vote Republican. Oh, no, you gotta vote. I mean, we, we have all these attachments to it when clearly the message has nothing to do with that. The message is you accept the gift given to us. Let's read Hebrews. Has it been up there this whole time? That was a long background. Hebrews 10 verse 5. That is why when Christ came into the world, He said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but You have given Me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sins. And then I said, Look, I have come to do Your will, O God, as it was written about Me in the Scriptures. This is Jesus talking. First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Go back to verse 9 for me and just hold it on the screen. It says, Then then He said, Look, I have come to do Your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second covenant into effect. I just want to highlight this because I think, I think especially the American church and I, I, I think the church and in, in world in general struggles with this. Religion struggles with this. The Old Testament system of, of rules and, and as God was beginning and that sacrificial system which was a stepping stone to what He was going to do through Jesus Christ, we're stuck in that old covenant, that covenant of Moses, that covenant that says, if you do this, you're, you'll receive forgiveness. If you don't, you won't. If, you're, if you do, you're in. If you don't, you're out. That covenant what does it say? It's not me. This, I'm taking this from Scripture. That covenant is canceled. 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 Why? Because it was fulfilled through Christ. It no longer has any effect. It, once, once, once the terms are met, your contract is done. Right? It's why in marriage, the last line of the vows is until... Death do we part. Because once you reach the end of the terms of the contract, it's been fulfilled. There's no more limitations to it. Christ came and fulfilled all the law of Moses. He fulfilled every desire of God as a, as a sacrifice for us, as, an, as a payment and a propitiation for us. He did what was required by the law so that all we have to do is love Him and receive His love so that that, that perfection is applied to us. Those of you that are battling trying to be a good person and battling trying to earn your way into heaven, stop! It's already there. You don't need to recreate the wheel. He's already done the hard work. All you need to do is accept what He's already done for your life. And I know you don't deserve it. I I can hear some of you Sunday school people running verses in your mind. Keep running them. This This is why Jesus got crucified. Because the religious people don't like this message. 
God loves you, period. Romans 8, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not powers above or powers below. Nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God. Go back to Romans 5. Did Jesus come because we deserved it? No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not merit-based. It's love-based. The love of God is a power beyond you, anything you can imagine. It literally will change the world and has changed the world. Of all these things that we talk about in the Advent candle, all of them emanating from Christ, that center candle that's unlit, that's the Christ candle. We'll, we'll light that on Christmas Eve. And the symbol, symbology of the Advent wreath is those, those themes, those characteristics of who God is are all have a source from the center of Jesus Christ. And you could use any of them as titles for Him. Jesus is hope. Jesus is peace. Jesus is joy. But if you want to have one that best summarizes who God is, it's love. God is love. And His love has no bound. His love looked at a world that was a complete mess and said, let me jump in and help. Let me jump in and help. That's what the Christmas story is about. I I get more amazed by it the older I get. I've read this story magnitude of times, and every year there's there's something in it that just jumps out at me. And this year, it's just that understanding that we don't deserve it. And that's exactly where God works. And if, and if we could get over our self-righteousness and if we allowed God to be God and we told His story rather than our version of it, the world that's broken might hear it better. That's the good news. The love of God changes everything. The love of God literally changes the world. You don't deserve it. And God doesn't measure in degrees. Just because you're two degrees better than somebody else doesn't mean you deserve it more. We're still 800 degrees from where we need to be. The love of God, the grace of Jesus, the power of condescension in the little things little thing. I hope this week you might just take the time in the midst of the bustle, in the midst of the silver bells. I don't think we're going to have white Christmas this year. Unless you spill flour in your kitchen or something. But (coughs) in the midst of all that, maybe the little thing. The little thing. Because that's where God be. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Oh God, we 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 are still amazed at this story because it 
it just is so amazing that that you were willing to to come to us after all of the abuse that was done to you that continues to be done to you all of the misrepresentation all of the all of the rules and everything else that just get in the way of who you are and yet your love never ends in that remote Bethlehem of our hearts, oh God, would you be born in us anew this year? And from that, from that inauspicious birth, would you grow and shine your light within us in a way that will change us and make us more like you and drive out the darkness within us and then reflect through us so that those around us might see your face through our act. The old covenant had a lot of degrees and everything else that we had to follow in order to stay in relationship, but your son turned it into one statement. This is my commandment, that you love others the way that I have loved you. That's our desire. We pray that in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.